Listeners, Jaren Kakofni tells you. You probably knew this already. You've probably decided to listen to this deliberately. We are back with another episode of The Power of Three. Doctor Who podcast with three middle-aged, personable, intelligent, articulate, experienced, well-read, well-lived, well-travelled Doctor Who fans. Occasionally pick and talk about things to do with Doctor Who. And this week, Kenny and I... Say hello, Kenny. Hello, Kenny. And I'm David Steele. I should probably say that, but you probably knew that already. We are talking about the second volume in Big Finish's Dalek Universe series. Hopefully you listened to our episode where we chatted about and enthused about the first volume. We're back with volume two because that was released very recently. And I finally had time to catch up and listen to it. And finally had time to catch up and meet up with Kenny to talk about it. So, shall we have the trailer? Why not? Let's go. Cue the trailer. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Tenth Doctor Adventures, Dalek Universe. Two. Shuttle instruments say this is Jansen's world, not much else. Resistor protocol initiated for your safety and comfort. Please proceed inside. And you're pretty advanced already, aren't you, Mariah Six? So advanced, I reckon I've met your brother. There are other androids here, Doctor. Dozens of them. Oh, don't believe this! Let me out! We heard someone shout. What's going on? There's a body on that trolley, Doctor. What's happening? Something's wrong. Please! What's happening to you? I'm not sure. The Daleks have devastated Earth. The solar system, the galaxy, countless worlds. Who's won this many dead Khalids? The Dals. We have an expert witness, someone who claims to be very familiar with Daleks. Or you will be exterminated. I wouldn't try threatening me, Major. People do that an awful lot, and it never ends well. Aim your weapons. If he tries to flee, shoot. Kiss this machine goodbye. No! I was lost. Now that's not a folly, is it? That is what we call in the architectural trade a palace. Well, Anya Kingdom, have you decided? No time to weigh up the pros and cons. Hold on tight. No, I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah, you and me, but... Big finish. We love stories. That was a good trailer, wasn't it? Was an it? excellent trailer. Did you see the visual trailer that riffed on the, the 50th anniversary story? It was great. I thought that was effing marvellous. It was. I nearly swore. I'll just I'll tone it down slightly. I was like, good grief. That was phenomenal. Applause. Don't know who did that, but, you know, well done. Tremendous. So, a very different set, I feel, from the first one. Yes. The whole tone of it is very different. I mean, it's uh, a different opening feel to it. Whereas, we've got the wham bam, thank you ma'am. All action, all guns blazing, Russell T. Davis event episodes where we meet the meddling nun mm. and then we go for a slightly yeah. more calmer and the whole, character piece. Yeah, I mean, we have the whole jaw-dropping incendiary opening cliffhanger where, where it seems like the Doctor's regenerated into a woman. As Kenny says, very, feeling very RTD, some brilliant emotive stuff from, from Wee Davy and then the third episode, a bit more introspective, we get you know into the Kingdom family history. Kevin McNally returning to the worlds of Doctor Who and owning it and just, you know, lots of really, really good stuff. Exciting cliffhanger where Mark drains the oxygen out of the capsule, rendering the Doctor and Anya Kingdom unconscious. So I re-listened, to, obviously, to the first set again before before starting the second series. So, obviously, to, to, to lead straight back into it. And um, it's a very different feel. It's, I think the word I would use for a series two or volume two is considered. That's a good word for it. There's definitely more... I think when I was doing the Vortex preview, John Dorney was saying that it's a lot... Who's the script editor? Dorney delivers. 
Hashtag Dorney delivers. See if I ever make John Dorney in real life, I'll embarrass the hell out of myself. Or you I'll, have a, I'll have a list. You, say, oh, this one was amazing, and seen this bit, you know, anyway. What you should actually do is give him, like, an envelope and then get him to give it back to you, and then you can say, Dorney <laughs> delivers. There you go. Could you, here, John, here's an envelope. Could you could you take it round to my house? <laughs> That'd be quite good. He's the postman. John yes, Dorney always ben, delivers. But anyway, I interrupted you there. when You, were, yes. you, you spoke to Mr. Dorney for yes, the Yes, and John was saying that this batch, there are very much a mixed batch that... Whereas series one was a bit more action-based, there are two two stories in this one that are maybe slightly more character-based rather mm. than action-driven. Mm. And we get the action-driven story as number two. So we open with the very first one, which was by Roy Gill. Roy Gill. And this one is... It's called Cycle of Destruction. Now, I have to admit, I thought it was very brave to do a story where the Doctor and Mark and Anya have to team up with the Daleks against a giant bike that is causing havoc <laughs> in the home counties. You know, first of all, they're back on Earth. Daleks are there. It was insane. Bike, you know, cycle. It was insane. It was crazy. It was the sort of thing you expected to see on the goodies. Dave, that's in the, that's in the other universe. Of course. Come back to the real universe. <laughs> yes. Cy- universe. Cycle of destruction. I was being flippant there, listeners. I don't know if you could tell. I've been allowed out. So, I'm being a little flippant. Cycle of Destruction by Roy Gill. The first story, I'm going to come right out and say it. My least favourite of the set. The one I enjoyed really? least. Yeah, one I enjoyed least in the set. This does not mean it's bad. It's just on balance out of three. It was the one that I kind of was left a little, hmm, by. Interesting, because I really enjoyed this one. Oh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it too. It was, it was a, of course, we should say at this point, listeners, spoiler warning. We're going to go into detail. We're going to talk about details of the story. If you haven't listened to the box set yet, um, and, you want, and you're planning to, you want to avoid spoilers, caution advised, stop listening from this point on. However, if you know, if you don't really get monkeys, just let, just let them start listening right now. It doesn't that matter. means you, Tom Harris. It doesn't matter, just listen to it like, eh? Yes. This one basically goes into the genesis of Mark 7 and who mm. he is. Yes. Because we've, mm. we've had Mark around for a few stories now. We know he's an android, we know he's super efficient and rather brilliant at everything. And this effectively is... We're getting to know where he, who he is and where he's come from. Sounds like an episode of Blind Date. And he's, we discover who he's been created by and why he's been created and the fact that he's slightly more than he should have been. And we discover that he effectively had a mother figure as well. That was mother figure. And there's a lot more to him than the other androids that we come mm. across in this set. Yeah, I felt, you know, this is, this is, um, this is my, my common thing these days. I felt it was slightly over-egged. I think there was maybe too much going on in this episode because you had the whole mystery of... You had, you had the sort of base under siege aspect of the story going on, which was really, really interesting. And they eventually you know, worked out that you know the human people in the, this this establishment had been replaced, etc., and what had happened to them and all that, and the the whole thing with the, the, the bear-shaped the claws and all that, and what was going on with that. So to kind of throw Mark's origins in as well, I felt it was a little foggy. That's my That's my only criticism. And of course, we carry on with the the strand from the end of the previous set, where they're travelling through time and they're looking for the scientist Arborek, who knows a bit about time travel. Yes, of course, and you know, it turns out he he had been at this establishment, which is quite interesting. I was enjoying that little aspect of it, the the, the quest sort of se- section of it. It was um, it was interesting getting the background on Mark Seven. It wasn't what I expected. Was it what you expected? No, it wasn't at all. Which I think was I think I quite enjoyed that because I just mm. I just assumed it'd be a plastic man out of a factory and just yeah. they're all like that. Yeah. But the fact that they've got they are sort of paired with humans, sort of who teach them how yeah. to do their things and give them sort of an emotional resonance mm-hmm. and how to interact with people and 
and it teach was, them how to it, do their jobs better. I was fascinated with the fact that, you know, especially the one that turned out to be the, the sort of killer. Sp- again, spoilers. You know, I love the idea of them having a sort of... They walk out the building, have a sort of memory wipe, all this other stuff goes on, and then they come back, and it gets wiped again. I thought that was fascinating. And in a way, it kind of reminded me of... um our Andrew Smith's full circle, Doctor Who story. Just the idea that some of the people didn't really know where they came from and some, you know, that their history and evolution, if you like, was a little more complicated than... Yeah. I, I, I was, that's not a criticism. I thought it put me in mind. I thought, oh, it's kind of... I thought it was very interesting. Which other ones has Roy Gill done? Um, well, there's the award-winning The Creeping Death. Right, of course. The one with the boss, I always That's the it. one. The one, ooh, the one with the bus. Oh, when you say the one with the bus, that makes me think of Planet of the Dead. Planet of the Dead. Uh, and as I said already, there was the sort of the murder mystery idea mm-hmm. sort of side of it, which is really interesting. Yeah. Because you're sort of going right, you know, what is going on? And this reveal that the, there's more to the, the droids than, than we thought. It was very interesting. I think it's a, a good cast, well played, and I enjoyed it. I think it's a good start. It's not. It's not the high octane thriller that that mm. you perhaps would expect. Well, You've got yeah, more I mean, of a cat. It's a good character thriller for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say considered. I felt. Yeah. I mean, if we want it I, for this set overall, I think if we compare the first series, first volume, first set, whatever, to to balls out circa two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight, RTD. This reminded me of the um, the first initial. My initial, my complete sense coming away from this, it reminded me of the initial Divergent Universe Eighth Doctor Charlie. Mm-hmm. Stories. Do you, can you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, for it's, that? it's different. It's, it's a different feel to it. It's not as, quite as much as, as you say, some unexpected stuff. Very considered. The emphasis on the character development. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I mean, um, I'll say more on this when we get to the, the final story in this set. But um, it was very considered, and, and it was. I mean, one thing I liked was just meeting other robots. Yes. You know, like it reminded me of Logan's Run. You know, with um, God, yeah. You know, with the, with the first name and the number. That that was really interesting. Sort of getting the background and all that sort of stuff goes on. Yeah, Mark Seven. You just sort of thought. I, just, I think I'd maybe just envisioned them as being designed by some scientists, and that there probably weren't any that many others. Yeah. So it was interesting that you know we're getting this bit of development for them and finding out a bit more. I do need to listen to it again, as I say. When, it, when I've yeah. my my workload has been very busy the last couple of weeks, so it's I'll, I'll get definitely give it another spin at least before the next set comes out. Yeah. But it was there was some elements on it that was a bit foggy for me. I'll admit that. But um, but overall, I, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. Excellent. So what about story two, the Trojan Dalek by John Dorney? The Trojan Dalek. Now this was astonishing because again, not what you'd expect. The Doctor, Anya, and Mark are sent back in time on Earth and overwriting the William Hartnell story, The Mythmakers, the Doctor has the idea of building an enormous Dalek that the Greeks can use to invade the city of Troy. It was fun- it was completely unexpected. Dave, Dave, Dave. What? Dave. what? You've gone into parallel oh, universe version right. again. All right, sorry. No, this is the version where the Doctor and Anya and Mark Seven find Arborex. Yes. Arborex destination. Yes. And we get into yes. kind of what is going on There here. was a point halfway through this story when I paused it and took a screenshot and added Big Finish on Twitter and just went, whoa! I know the bit you're talking about, I think, yeah. Did you see, I don't know if you saw my tweet. I did see um, I was just like, whoa! It was a long time since I've, you know, actually it wasn't a long time, it was the last David Tennant set where I had to <laughs> pause it in mid-stride to go, whoa! Moment. The bit when the Doctor finds Arborek was, oh my god. Yes. Brilliantly played by Barnaby Absolutely Edwards. Absolutely phenomenal. Not um, just a Dalek operator. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, could, you know, arguably an influence from Revelation of the Daleks, I think, perhaps. 
With a bit of blood of the Daleks as well. Um, which one's that? Is that Barnsley's? That's that Steve Barnes? Lyons. That's our story where we first meet Lucy. There's the human Daleks. That's right, of course. Right, you're right. Sorry, it's so long since I've listened to that. You, yeah, that, that does remind me of one bit I want to mention, actually, when we talk about the third story. The Doctor finding our break was just like... I mean, the whole... It was, again, heavy spoilers, but you've come this far. The whole stuff with Mark meeting, his, meeting that pal, which is, who's the girl who um, was interested in him, but he's a robot, so he's not going to reciprocate, you know. And then... She's been injured by a Centauran device, and then she ends up basically being grafted into a Dalek as well. Proper season twenty-two body horror mm-hmm. sort of stuff. I'm not going to say it's my favourite for the, for the set either, but I effing loved it. I thought it was tremendous. Really proper, slightly unpleasant, nasty sci-fi mm-hmm. twinge to it all. You know, and the frustration of like you know they're trying to find Arbrite because you know the doc thinks that's his best way of getting home, but you know it's too late. It was oh it was. Glorious, yeah, because I really didn't see it coming. I mean, there's clues there from the Daleks there, and their the dialogue's not quite right. Yes, and the, the voices, voices are slightly Jinx, off. You may have yeah, because I wasn't sure if it, was, if it was Mr. Briggs that was doing the voices or not. Because I thought, oh god, you've right, you've have you got someone else to do them this time, my lord, or is it you doing them yourself and just you know sitting on your stool at an awkward angle so you can get that pitch? That was a, a really interesting thing as well because obviously in the, in these times of Dalek wars and all this sort of stuff that. And obviously there was stuff in the first set, but you know the humans are obviously going to be trying stuff to try and stop them. Yep. So of course they're going to try and make their own. I mean, yep. which is where the Trojan Dalek idea comes in. They're making their own Dalek. They're going to use the Daleks, their own Daleks, to try and infiltrate and cause some damage. I mean, some some really good ideas. Who um, who wrote this one? John Dorney. Mr. Dorney, of course. Dorney. He delivers. was a late replacement for somebody else who wasn't able to do it, as he mentioned in the CD extras. Right. I haven't finished listening to them yet. Uh-huh. I'm only about 15 minutes in. Because I only finished listening to the set today, listeners. If you want to mark that in your calendars, I finished listening today on the 22nd of July, 2021. <laughs> when did you finish listening to it, Kenny? Uh, last Thursday. Thursday. When it came out. Yeah. Yeah. I was working in Edinburgh last week, listeners. I was getting picked up at 6am and getting home at half 8. Having time to eat and then try and get some sleep before getting picked up again. So that's probably why part one was a bit foggy when I tried to listen to it on Sunday. This was this was a really good one, and again a real contrast to what we got in the first set. You know, the first set was kind of season opener, balls out, very RTD. But this was this was infinitely better written than the Eric Sabordera Doctor Who story, of course. But this was mid period, late mid late body horror Sabord, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was um, it was very sad, sort of you know realizing that you know the moments when Mark was obviously trying to process the fact of what happened to his friend. That was really really well done. And again, we should see how good Joe Sims. Oh, he's brilliant because you know. I think we said as much last time. It's maybe he's, you know, got to be careful what I say here. The only really thing I can compare with is Broadchurch, and this is light years away from what he's doing. He's getting a chance to do some proper acting here. So, you know, it might be one of these people that sort of might have been dismissive of him and thought, all right, really? But he's great. Some really good stuff because Mark's obviously, you know, it's kind of reminding me in some ways of data from Star Trek, you know, the, the whole, am I a real, real boy sort of thing, you know, Pinocchio, whatever. That, that bit reminds me of the Doctor saying about um, these boots were made for walking and the running gag about Anya not picking up on... Both yeah. of them not picking up on cultural references. Yeah. That was quite funny. No, it was, a, it was a good one for Joe. And, of course, um, Cliffhanger, as far as Mark Seven. Yes, indeed. And this story looks like Mark is dead. <gasps> well. Mark's been 
sacrificed himself to help. Dead because he wasn't alive. Well, he can be. He's been. He's been permanently deactivated. You see, that's that's part of the that's part of the nature of the debate in the story as well. Is he truly alive? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't see that coming. No, neither did I. I didn't know that Um, was coming. And I won't. I can't know. I can't know. Thinking, have they released the cover of series three yet? They have. Is he on it? No. Oh no. Of course, because yeah, that's who's on it. Yeah, that's who's on it. Yeah. Because that's the cliffhanger to the final episode. Do you have much more to say about the yes, second Yes, I really enjoyed the fact you've got the, the desperation of humanity and you've got the Doctor's sheer exasperation when you've got the leader of the military base and saying why he's doing this plan, the fact that they're sticking together Daleks and sort of like welding them together so they can mm. try and go through with this. And I think David Tennant's fantastic in this one. I mm. think he's really... You can you really picture him in that blue suit, charging up and down the corridors, yeah. running away from Daleks, and it's yeah. it's so easy to visualise. <laughs> I think he's in great form, <laughs> and I think there's some there's some really nice stuff going on when he yeah. discovers what's going on while yeah. Anya and Mark have got their yeah, investigations. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said this already. When I think I said it the other week when we talked about um, Gates of Hell, DT just makes it look easy. He just it's flawless. Mm-hmm. Does he just picks it up? Whoosh! You know, you do not have to struggle to visualise what you're hearing. You know, it's it feels so authentic you know I'm liking the angst that's coming through I get the sense I get the sense this is set probably pre next doctor because Rose is still quite raw for him and Donna's quite raw for him still mm-hmm. whereas the thing you get the next doctor he's a bit he's a bit more chilled and a bit happier mm-hmm. so I really get the sense this is probably set really soon after you know stolen earth journeys mm-hmm. end that sort of time because yeah. it's he's, you can tell that he's still feeling the all, loss, the fields, Dave, all, yeah, the all the fields all the fields so yeah, he's phenomenal. We know this. It's not it's not news, but it's worth pointing no. out again that, that there is there is not a sense at all that DT is you know because he's a busy. Let's be honest, he's a busy guy, right? He probably doesn't need to do big finishes. You know, he has a career, he has a profile, etc. It'd be so easy for him just to turn up and give a really lazy performance and take the money and run, and people would buy it anyway. But he's obviously not doing that. He's putting all the effort in, and it's just it's brilliant to hear him again. It really is. Yeah, I agree, and think he's. He's the fact he's so committed to it, and he just sounds like he's having fun as well. Yeah. And that's the good thing about it, the fact that, is that he seems to be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be doing them if he didn't enjoy it. That's yeah, the bottom right. line, isn't it? That's it, absolutely. So, the final story in this set is called The Lost, and this concerns the Doctor and Anya being on an aeroplane that crashes in a remote island. Ended up actually being spun off into a series that ran for, I think, a good six or seven years, all sorts of stuff with hatches in the ground and polar bears, and Kenny's given me that look again. They've, they've, they've yeah. you've slipped into the pile of oh, universe again. No. This is the one where it's the Doctor and Anya are um, encountering a, a crash through time and uh, they find themselves in an alien world, not yes. on an island. This one was my favourite. Really? And this is not, not just because it was Walt Wall DT and Jane Slavin, and I adore them both, because I thought, this one, it reminded me, was it, was it Scherzo, Scherzo? Well, the, nobody seems to quite know, Scherzo yeah, or Scherzo. That early McGann one. Um, Number 52 in the monthly yeah. range. And also put me in mind of one of the other ones around about that time. I can't remember what it's called. It'll come back to me eventually. And it also remind, it reminded me a little bit of other lives as well. Because you had the main cast playing, you know, the other parts, etc. I really, really liked this one. It was not the most desperately original of ideas of them being trapped in a sort of weird sort of void type special unreal place. And talking to versions talking to the, 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 the alien thing that's appearing to them as their friends. That's been done before, but it was so well done and Jane and David were both phenomenal. So for that reason, yeah, that's that's this is my favourite of this yeah, set. Yeah, because they're basically they're faced with a dilemma where they encounter the creature that the Doctor dubs the Lost mm-hmm. and there's a portal that will take them back to their time and place. Yep. 
but only one of them can go exactly. and yep. they've got to take the lost with them. Mm-hmm. And that's the dilemma as to what they work out who's going to go through. Yeah. Great script from Rob Valentine. Really clever. And it's one of those ones you think, what would I do? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's By the um, way, I'm leaving you behind. I'm off. I'll see you later, mate. Ch- cheers, man. <laughs> so I better, I better wind this one up on my own then. So that means we're going we're gonna to play out with the Clint Boone experience and take that and the birds and the Rolling Stones, a bit of British Sea Power, maybe half an hour of Bee Gees covers. Anyway, so no, it was, it was interesting because, you know, spoilers, the Doctor goes through and then teams up with the other Doctor that was on the other side and they, they stop it all happening, but the Doctor that came through, you know, gets wiped out, which is kind of similar to what happens to to Harry, what's his face in that episode of Star Trek Voyager that always troubled me. Harry Kim. 20-odd years later, I still think about the fact that the original Harry from Voyager was the one that died. Man, that keeps me awake at night, and I'm a casual Star Trek fan at best. Anyway, so this, this was a really good one. I, I, I like this a lot, and obviously they find that the Doctor and Anya finally broach the subject of the fact that the Doctor knew what happened to her aunt and uncle, which I think, I'm glad they got out of the way as early as they did. For those who don't know, that's Sarah Kingdom and Brett Vion. Yeah. yeah. We're presuming because you're listening to this Doctor Who podcast about a big finished box set that in some ways is a sequel to the Dalek Master Plan, you're probably going to know who they are. <laughs> I'm glad that they got that out the way and didn't have it dragging all the way through. Yep. Would you agree? Yes, I think it's one of those ones that was building up and we get a resolution that I wasn't quite expecting and a reaction that I wasn't mm. quite expecting. Yes. But it was good. I was very much... I'm not, we're not going to spoil that much for you. No. But it was not what I expected and I enjoyed what they did with it. I'm going to spoil it slightly. Yeah, I thought that... I imagined a bit more rage and a bit more anger from, from Anya's really? part. You know, that's what I thought we'd probably get. But it was... it was, But it was so immaculately done. You know, it was so well done and... You know, I'm again. I've said in the past that I'm not the biggest fan of stories that are built on continuity references, and I, and I had real issues with the the Tom Baker series that introduced Anya and Dan Kelso because they wouldn't have done that in the late seventies. They wouldn't have built a whole series around Dalek Master Plan. It just wouldn't have happened. So I've I have I have issues which I've expressed in the past. I won't go on about it too much again. But I felt if you're going to do if you're going to make references and continuity type sort of stuff, I mean. He talks about Brett and Sarah being killed. He then mentioned Katerina. He mentioned Oliver from the excellent First Doctor Companion Chronicles trilogy. Played, played by the brilliant Tom Allen. Fantastic. You know, good era, I will never forgive you. Then he mentioned Adric and he mentioned Lucy Bleeding Miller. <laughs> Spoilers if you haven't listened to the McGann series, of course. Don't say it. So, um, no. so I, you know, I liked, I liked that. For me, there was a little... It was kind of like the way they, when the Eighth Doctor mentioned the Big Finish companions on in Night of the Doctor on telly, it was having DT make mention of Lucy. I thought, yes, mm-hmm. that that it pleases my ears to hear the Doctor talking about you know another expanded universe character, shall we say? Yep. I mean, I'm still only in my listening of the McGann and Lucy stuff. I'm still only on at the start of the third series, <gasps> but I know it all. I know, you know, I got it spoiled yonks ago. What happens? I'm really looking forward to listening to a story called The Book of Kells, but I'm not telling you why. Oh, yes. Anyways. Indeed. Ash Headminster's wonderful in that, instantly. So, there you go. Quality. And do you know who Ash Headminster is? Nope. Excellent. You'll be very surprised by their I performance. Should get, I should get back into those, actually, because I think I listened to I listened to Hot House, oh. the, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember we had a conversation where I told you, you know, about the whole, um, the first episode where Lucy and the Doctor reunited. So I must be yep. like at least two or three into the third series, mm-hmm. so I should probably, I should probably, that, I mean, I've probably got a couple of weeks until the Eccleston set comes out, so yep. that's probably what I should go on with. Have you, you, you tell me, did you enjoy Max Warp? 
Oh, I enjoyed listening to your recent discussion about it on Pieces of Eighth, certainly. Excellent. I remember, yes, I, did, I listened to Max Warp and the, the Depth of Winter. It's quite funny, you know, Duncan from Blueby and Doctor Who. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yep. And do you know what? I don't care what anyone says. I think the version of the theme music that was used in that series is effing brilliant. I Ooh. loved it. A lot of people really don't like it, apparently, but I think it's great. I so. quite enjoy it. I so, never included that in our mixes in episode well, 69 and you did. So, um, so everyone, I think I think Briggsy put it together. God bless you, my lord. I thought it was, ter- it was terrific. F the haters. I'm quite. limiting my swearing for, so that we don't get um, bumped, you know, listeners. Or, anyway. or removed from this park. Tom, Tom used to get annoyed if we swore, right? He would make us re-say it. But now he swears like a blooming priest. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Let's talk about Jane Slavin. Yes, and please. She's and more. I think just the fact she's given a hell of a lot to work with in this, going through the emotions of having to you know, deal with the the death of Mark. Yep. And the fact she's obviously finding out about her own family. Yep. And I just think she gives an incredible performance. Yeah. She's so good with David Tennant. Yeah. She's she's great. I mean, like I was saying about DT making it look effortless. Jane makes it look. Makes it look effortless. I'm a huge fan of Jane, as I've said in the past. It's a pleasure to hear her doing doing a really good job. But you know, she always does a really good job. It's, it's one of these sets. I thought I was very much going. I wish we could have had this on TV. <laughs> you know, it'd have been great. Not necessarily because Jane would have been running about in a, in a tight costume. Don't put that in. That's so going in. Oh, she's terrific. I mean, I really hope that they do a kind of. I'm so invested in it that I really hope they. That, you know, it probably have to be download only. I kind of. I don't imagine how much. I'm not sure how much of a broader interest it'd be. I hope they do some more with um, Anya and Mark after this. Well, you can because Mark's dead. Well, you know, he's probably going to come back, let's be honest. Or you could do it before. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. that I'm registering my interest. If anyone at Big Finish is listening, you probably aren't. Yeah, let's have some more. But no, you're right. I mean, BF get really good people that know what they're doing. It's very, very, very rare that I find myself listening to a bit, if it ever happens, listening to a big finish set and going, God, they were crap. <laughs> they couldn't act for toffee. Never mm. happens. So, yeah. We, I know we talked in the past about how, you know, when the character first appeared, she was opposite the fourth Doctor and how it might make more sense to do this with the fourth Doctor. It's really it's really clear that the scripts are completely tooled for the tenth Doctor. And I think they, I don't think they would be able to do the more emotional aspects of the, of the, the Doctor and Annie's relationship with any other doctor, because DT, so much of DT stuff has that sort of emotional intelligence. Yeah. So I think it works really, really well. It's a per- it's a perfect fit all, all round, I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great combination. I think it's fantastic. And what a cliffhanger. Did you see that coming? Well, I, after you probably have been reminding me of the cover of Series 3, we know that River's going to appear. We know that she's got a Mavell and Wig on the cover. I just hope she's not in the whole set. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. But you know, the, the, a Dalek saying, hello, sweetie. Hmm. Wow. Nope. <laughs> you did not see that no, coming, really. No, I did not really. see that coming. Did you? No, no. definitely not. When's the, next, when's the next set out? Three months from now. Three months? Yes, now that it's three months apart. Bloody yeah. hell. doesn't feel like three months since the last set. No, actually. it doesn't. We were just sat, I can't believe we were just sat up the hill from yeah. where we are now and just yeah. having a good old chinwag about it and it sounded like we are being attacked by crickets halfway through it. So. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's, a, that's plenty of time for me to try and crack on and finish the 8th Doctor and Lucy stuff. Though. Yes. I think we should even have a chance about that sometime. Just probably should. Having, that'd be quite a good episode in its yeah, own right. Yeah. So it's a long time since I've listened. To, I would have to probably redo the whole thing. It's a long mm. time since I've listened to our first series. Anyway, but that's another thing for another day. Yes, yes, blah blah blah. I'm yes. drifting off there. Right, right. Well then, Dave, Ken, what we're we going to play out with today? I don't know, but I think we should tell everyone that they should. Um, they can check us out on Twitter. We're what are we on Twitter? Podcast underscore or two? No, that's not right. No, wrong one. It's Power of Three Pod. We have our Facebook page. Uh, which is probably hopelessly out of date. We have our website. 
And also I'll remind you that Kenny's doing an absolutely excellent job rifling through his address book and bringing out the best guests possible on Pieces of Eighth. So you should really check that out if you haven't been doing so already. Tom is continuing with the, the imposter and it's some really, really good stuff just now. I find myself pausing and swearing and texting Tom to say that I was just swearing during your latest. So Tom's reached 2010 and it's, oh my God, it's, it's painful listening, it really is. And of course, Peter and I are proceeding apace with the Earth 2 podcast. We're currently in the summer of 1967. So there you go. Ooh, that's where we are. So yes, this is the Power of Three. And thank you for joining us. We're going to play out with... I've no idea, Kenny. What are we going to play out with? Uh, what did we play out with last time? Was it Blur in the Universal? I can't remember. I don't think it was. What did we play with Blur in the Universal today? How does that apply? Because it's Dalek Universe. Oh, right. I see. Okay. Well, equally by that token, we could play with, play out with Across the Universe by the Beatles. Oh, no, fact. Let's go for <laughs> one in the middle. Let's go for Pulp and Masters of the Universe. Okay. Right, goodbye folks, we'll see you next time, all the best. Goodbye. Over to you, Jarvis. I am the master of this universe. And I've got so big it hurts. Raise your eyes and raise your knees. Oh, for your master is displeased. Because you dare to doubt his word. His polished surface dulls and cracks. Your bits of laughter breaks his back I am the master of this universe I taught you